This is Human to Human, and I'm your host, Caitlin Walker. Thanks so much for tuning in, and welcome to episode three. And today is going to be an integration session. <laughs> and by session, I just mean episode. But in, it's in today's day and age where there's so much stimulus coming in our worlds through all the tech, all of the news feeds, all social media, it seems like, and even in the last few months especially, at least in my nervous system, it's like nervous system overload, right? We're already holding so much and getting so much information coming in that it's hard to actually sift through and let things land a bit. And so that's my intention here with episode three. So episode one and two, I broke down the human nervous system, our fight and flight system, and that it's designed to find safety and designed to turn on and off. And we get issues when it actually gets stuck on on or we have a glitch in the wiring, like a short circuit. And so it's like flickering on and off, right? If you've been in any kind of like big storm where the lights flicker on and off, sometimes we have that experience um, inside. And then in episode two, I talked about the five animal defenses and the different ways that we seek safety as human animals. And so today, today I really just want to spend some time sifting through that and beginning to talk about the so what. And as we know from episode one, integration is the key to health. And so you could get a bunch of new information, but if that information is not sticking in, if it doesn't get into the body, then it doesn't necessarily help. It's like the in one ear, out the other, or whatever analogy you want to use in that way. And so let's just spend a little bit of time, and for integration, what's needed is often slowing down in space. And so that's what episode three is today. And so not only am I going to do a little brief recap and begin to talk about the so what, what does episode one and two mean in my life, in your life, in human lives, I'm also going to share my top three favorite resources for how to regulate hyperarousal as well as hypoarousal. So just a little bit of a window into ways that you can begin practicing coming back into a place of regulation when you get hijacked, when things feel overwhelming. And perhaps that could be a helpful insight for you as well. And so my main intention and, and what I hope from episode one or two, one piece that registered for you is that the triggers, the hijacking, the overwhelm, the reactions is totally normal. And it's your body's way of protecting itself. And it comes out of a place of really good intentions. And so it's normal. And I hope that also helps to destigmatize or deshame some of your experience. I know when I first began learning this, it helped me in that way. 
that I wasn't crazy, I wasn't losing my mind, that I wasn't doing anything wrong. In fact, my body was doing what it knew to do to survive. So from a body-based level, it was spot on. It might be outdated, but there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with what your body is trying to accomplish. And there might be more helpful ways or current ways that you could help your body and brain to find safety and to actually meet the needs that are present. And secondly, I hope episode one and two were, are, are helpful in the sense that they build awareness around what's happening in the present moment. That mindfulness is like the bread and butter of health and integration and uh, living in a, uh, a vital way, full of life, full of chi, full of happiness. Mindfulness is a really key component of that. Because when we can be mindful of something, when we can turn on the light switch into the room of what's going on inside, we stop tripping over the things that are present in the dark, right? We, have, we can see. And when we can see, we can choose to step over the foam roller that's in the middle of the room or the blanket that I left on the couch that's half on the carpet that I would trip over otherwise. And with the choice becomes more empowerment and more accountability for our actions, for our emotions, for our thoughts. And it's like we can then get back in the driver's seat of our lives rather than be hijacked by these survival parts. And that wise adult that has access to mindfulness and compassion can make life decisions, big or little, for the overall health of your system, of your family, so on. And not only does this framework of the window of tolerance in our survival system help in terms of our individual lives, but I also found it to be really helpful in relationship with others. Understanding how the human body and brain is designed to work and in safety not only helped me to notice when I got hijacked, I began to be able to see it in other people more easily. And then things felt less personal. And so maybe it helps within your framework with your kids and noticing, oh, they're getting hijacked and they're feeling overwhelmed maybe. And so they're in hyperarousal and maybe there are some ways I could help coach them to come back in the window. Or my partner is totally checked out and numbed and withdrawn. Oh, I wonder if my partner is in hypoarousal, if there was some trigger there for for him, her, they, them, in that moment. And it starts to, again, to not only destigmatize, but bring awareness and choice into the moment. And perhaps this, the, these words or this framework you can then share with your partner or your family if it's helpful, and then have family discussions about it. Right? I've seen this work tremendously with clients and their families. And again, it helps to take any shame or judgment out because it's a human biology. 
response that happens. And so, and it can even, um, I've seen humor be woven in. Humor's huge for me as a resource. Um, so I like to use it with my clients as well. And so it's like, oh, dude, you totally just got hijacked into whatever, right? And depending on where they, where they got, right? It's like, oh, yeah, or like after the fact, once the emotions are settled down, right? That curiosity and play can come in. And then now parents are able to talk to their kids. Kids are able to talk to their parents. Like, hey, it seems like you're kind of starting to lose your window here a bit. And that helps to bring mindfulness and actually maintain a relationship, a relational connection, rather than just the explosion or the reaction and the separateness that happens afterwards when we flip our lid. And with that, at least in my experience, and I hope uh, in some degree this is true for you also, but this framework, this, this understanding of the biology also then gives hope for change. And we know from the neuroscience that we can change our nervous systems, we can change our neural circuitry and find a new normal. And that is so exciting. And I feel so much hope for myself, for those in my life, family and friends, for my clients. It's like the, this isn't the end of the story. This is actually the beginning of the story. And it's a story of tremendous hope and possibility for more health, for more evolution, for more connection. And that's just super groovy to me. And so with that, as we have a little bit of space, and I've talked about a little bit of the so what, like how can this be useful in your life, or ways that it's been useful in mine. And again, this is just a snippet to begin to explore. I'd like to share three of my favorite resources or go-tos for hyper-arousal and hypo-arousal. And then you can maybe play with it if you're curious and it feels like something that you want to do or try it on and see if it fits. And so for resources for hyper-arousal, and again, hyper-arousal is when we get hijacked and everything speeds up for survival, right? It's the upper edge of the wind. It's above the, the upper edge of the window of tolerance here. And so it's the racing heart. It's the blood pressure shooting up. It's the adrenaline. It's the anger, the rage. It's the fight, flight, freeze, and attach. Everything gears up for survival, so if you think of it in terms of like the dial gets turned up, in terms of resources, we want to help the body and the mind find resources to help turn the dial down back into the window. And one of a go-to resources for hyperarousal for me in, in my practice and often with many clients, not all clients, is belly breathing or breath exercises. Because the breath is um, tangible in every moment that we are alive. <laughs> and so it's a, if, if we have a positive experience of breath, then it can be a way of connecting in and helping our body regulate in a way that's really tangible and present. And so for belly breathing, 
If you think about breath, we can breathe into our chest or we can breathe into our belly. And belly breathing is what infants and kids naturally do. And so when we inhale from a belly breath, the belly actually naturally expands. And when we exhale, the belly naturally constricts. This is before we learn or our society tells us to suck in our stomachs and whatever else society tells us about our bodies, which is a whole separate episode or 10. But so for belly breathing, what's super cool about it is it engages our diaphragm and our parasympathetic nervous system. It engages our vagus nerve, which is going to help slow things down. Our vagus nerve is the rest, connects to the rest and digest part of our nervous system. And so for belly breathing, when we inhale, what you want to do is imagine your belly expanding. And it can be helpful to place a hand on your belly and actually watch your hand rise away from your body. That'll help indicate whether or not the belly is getting uh, the breath down. And then when you exhale, your stomach will naturally come in and you can even help it a little by contracting your belly if that's helpful and watch the hand come closer back in and when you inhale the belly goes out and when you exhale the belly will come back in I'm just doing a couple rounds here and maybe you're playing around with it or maybe you bookmark it and come back to it. So belly breathing helps because it takes the breath from the chest, which is where we breathe when we're anxious and when things feel high and tight in our chest, and it drops it down into the belly and connects into that vagus nerve. And um, a couple other helpful ways of engaging in the belly breath, which um, for some, if you have a yoga background, you might already have this in your back pocket. And you're like, oh yeah, got it. Um, and if not, it can be helpful if you're in a safe place um, in order to begin to learn how to belly breathe. It's actually laying on your stomach, flat on the floor. And imagine breathing your belly into the floor and pushing out into the floor when you inhale. When you exhale, your belly will naturally come back into your body away from the floor. So that can be helpful. You can play around with that. Or if you have an exercise ball, you can drape yourself over the ball or partly over the ball on your belly um, pushing into the ball. And you can breathe in and expand your belly into the ball. And when you exhale, just kind of relax away from the ball. So belly breathing is a go-to resource in many people uh, for hyperarousal. And many people find um, counting breaths to be helpful too. So you can add in with the belly breaths. Um, an accessible one is breathing in for four, holding for four, and exhaling for six. So you might try that also with the belly breathing. So what it would look like is breathing in for four counts. Two, three, four, holding, two, three, four, and exhaling for six, two, three, four, five, six, and then beginning again with breathing in for four, holding for four, exhaling for six. And if you have a greater breath capacity, you can change those numbers as you're able to. 
So belly breathing is a great resource. A second resource for hyperarousal that I love to introduce clients to is called orienting. And basically what that is from a survival standpoint, one way that we assess safety um, at a nervous system level is by looking at our surroundings. And so when we get hijacked from something that reminds us of the past, orienting, looking around, or bringing our awareness to the present moment and to our present surroundings is really important and critical in terms of regulation. And so orienting is becoming aware of what our external environment is in the present moment. And we can do that in several ways. What I like to introduce clients to is to look or see, touch and feel. So you can orient visually to what is around you. So looking around and naming shapes or objects out loud, which will help your brain, that you see in the room. So, or you can pick shapes. So you could find five circular things. You could name four square things, or you could name objects like chair. There's a lamp. There's a desk. There's a drum. Right? So you're helping your brain engage with what is actually happening in the present moment. And assuming you're in a safe place, that will help your nervous system and your body register, oh, I'm actually safe right now. What my body thinks is happening from the past is actually not happening in the present. So you can orient visually. You could also orient through sounds, what you hear. So if we were to shift and do that, it's like, what do you hear in this moment? Do you hear birds? Do you hear traffic? Do you hear my voice? Do you hear kids playing in the background? Or dogs barking? Right? And again, you're helping your brain and your body register present moment. What's happening here and now through sound? And then you can also orient through touch. And so and people will find that they gravitate more towards one uh, than another based on the, their sensory experience. So for those of you who are my tactile learners, you might totally dig this. I resource a lot through, through tactile and uh, sensation because I'm so somatic. So this is a huge one for me. So orient to the textures that are around you. Feel the cushion beneath you. Feel the temperature of a table or a desk in front of you. Feel the wall texture. Notice how it compares to the chair you're sitting in, right? Um, if you have any kind of cool sensory toys, like a squishy ball or a stress ball, or maybe you have a pillow that has soft texture, allow your attention to rest and notice. Again, that mindful brain, that noticing brain will help that lid to come back down. So you, and you can bring your senses, your sensory experience to help that orienting response here through touch. If nature is a resource for you, touch a plant, grab a rock, feel the texture of the rock and the temperature of the rock and the weight of it in your hands. So we can orient through sight, through touch, through sound. And the, all of those things, or maybe it's a combination of the above, can be really helpful in terms of regulating hyperarousal when things go up. And my 
third favorite, these aren't necessarily in order, but another <laughs> top three faves um, resource for hyperarousal is grounding. So if you think of hyperarousal, everything gets jacked up. Grounding will help, will be the opposite, right? It's bringing things down. And there's different ways of grounding. Um, there's physical ways of grounding, literally going outside, putting your feet in the earth, take your shoes and socks off and feel that dirt, baby. Rub your feet in it. This is one of my favorites. Or if you have a creek or water nearby and you can make mud, ooh, even better, especially in the summer. Grounding down, feeling the earth beneath your feet. Or if you like grass and you're not allergic to grass, go out, take your shoes and socks off, feel your feet in the grass, right? Breathe in the senses of that moment. Grounding, um, another great tool for it, and there's different meditations. And I'll actually, after this, I will record a grounding meditation for those of you who find that helpful. Meditation's a great resource especially for hyperarousal and to begin building that mindfulness muscle in your brain and those neural pathways. Um, but grounding happens through our feet. So feeling your feet on the floor, if you're sitting in a chair or standing, you might engage three points of your feet for grounding. Your big toe, your pinky toe, kind of spread them out and gently push down and imagine your heel as the third point. So it's kind of like the Ninja Turtle. I don't know why in my brain, I just see like those two toes and the heels, right? So the Ninja Turtle grounding, and then gently engage the arch of your feet and gently push into the floor, feeling the ground beneath you. That can be an awesome grounding technique. And then through visualization and meditation of grounding, imagining roots through your feet down into the earth, pulling you down, feeling gravity, all great tools for grounding down and coming down out of hyperarousal, down into the window. So those are my top three favorites for resourcing hyper. Feel free to try them out, see what you gravitate towards. Maybe they're helpful, awesome. If they're not, or it's really hard to actually implement them without a coach, um, reach out to a therapist or a friend. Practice with your kids, right? Try them on. Um, whenever we learn a new skill or a new way of being, it can be really helpful to have uh, a coach or someone supporting us through that process, just like with sports or working out, right? You go back to the gym after a while, having a trainer showing you the proper form and guiding you along the way can be helpful. Same is true for our emotional tools and our mental tools and our somatic tools. And so, and if you have questions, send me an email. Happy to, to respond and give you my two cents. <laughs> and so that's for hyper. For those of you who find yourself in hypo arousal, the lower ends of regulation, well, out of regulation, below the line, where it's numb, it's depressed, it's fuzzy, it's dissociated, everything's heavy. The resources we need when we're in hypoarousal are going to be resources that increase energy. So we want to help increase the system to come back into the window. And 
one way of doing that is through spinal elongation. That's one of my favorite resources for hypoarousal. So if you're sitting down or even if you're standing up and you think of hypoarousal, everything's kind of heavy and maybe slumped forward or maybe slumped back in the chair. And so for spinal elongation, you want to parallel your body. Have your feet on the floor. If you're sitting, have your feet on the floor in a chair. And you'll stack your shoulders over your hips, your head over your shoulders. And then imagine there's a string at the back of your head, like where a lot of people have calyx, right? The back of your head in this string gently pulls up. And as the string pulls up towards the sky, towards the heavens, it gently pulls up your spinal cord. And notice what happens inside. You might even try this on as you elongate your spine upward to the sky. I notice my shoulders pull back. My chest opens a bit. My head comes up a little. And I'm actually better able to see my environment. And my eyes feel a little brighter. So when things feel heavy or sluggish, Play around with spinal elongation. And if you have a yoga practice, this will be um, likely really accessible to you. And this, so this is a somatic tool to help increase some energy. A second tool for hypo that I love is movement. So you might begin with spinal elongation. See, is that enough to kind of get me snapped out of it? If not, stand up. Gently sway your body. Maybe shake it out, right? Put on Taylor Swift, shake it off, and like, see if you can like, and see if you could get some energy back in your body. And, and again, gentle, compassionate movement. We're not talking about like ripping through a weight set here when you're in hypo. Good luck with that. But maybe go for a, a walk, a slow walk. Bend your knees some. Shake your arms out. And see if that helps increase your regulation. And um, with that, I find changing environments to be really helpful, especially for hypo. If you're inside, go outside. If you're outside, go inside. There's something about that that helps our nervous system reset. And that can be true for hyperarousal as well. And then you can add in resources as needed. And another helpful tool, so those are like my go-to for hypo. You can also orient here for hypo arousal. If you're feeling really sluggish and it's too much to stand up or it's like, oh God, I am not going to move, Caitlin. Nope. Maybe you begin with orienting to sounds and sights. Right? And then maybe you begin to orient to textures and that begins a slow, gentle movement of the hands or the feet. And then maybe that slow tactile orienting to the present moment then helps you to be able to sit up. And then maybe once you sat up, you can do spinal elongation. And maybe that helps increase energy enough to be able to stand up, 
right? So we're working with our nervous system. We're befriending our nervous system with compassion and kindness to try to come back into the window of tolerance the best we're able. And sometimes it's easier than others. And other times we need more resources or tools. And all is okay and all is normal. And certain times when we have uh, different levels of stress are certainly going to impact that. And we are absolutely in a time of added stress and overwhelm and overload in our world right now. For the, for the better, in my belief, in the, in the end run. And also, it's a lot. So kindness and compassion go a really long way for regulation, physically, mentally, emotionally. Don't forget that piece. Please don't forget that piece. And if you're like, self-compassion, huh? What's that? Welcome. Maybe I'll talk about that in the next episode or uh, in the near future. Because um, that's huge. And I know for many people, um, can be a new concept and a hard one to integrate into life. So those are my top three faves for regulating hyperarousal and hypoarousal. And for hyper, the belly breath, the orienting and grounding. And for hypo, the spinal elongation, movements, orienting, changing environment. And again, I come back to the why. Because within the window of tolerance is where health and integration lives. This is where we can connect to one another and meet that biological need. That's where we can feel joy, where we can feel happiness, as well as the sadness and grief, right? But it's where we can feel. It's where we can be. And we are human beings, not human doers. And we're not meant to just live in a place of survival, but connection. And within the window of tolerance, that is where choice and power live. We can access our wisdom, we can access our emotions, we can think simultaneously, and we can move through life with all of our faculties, rather than just having like a hand tied behind our back. So choice, wellness, fulfillment, vitality lives and is housed in the window of tolerance. And our first steps to, to embracing that and integrating that into our life is to help our nervous system and body get to a place where we can actually neurologically access that. And please let me know if you have questions. You're welcome to reach out. Have fun with it. I love to incorporate play and humor into regulation. It, what's super cool about the brain is that fear and funny cannot literally and neurologically live in the brain at the same time. So if you, humor is a great resource and regulator, actually might be my favorite for both hyper and hypoarousal. Is, so if you can engage with laughter or humor in some way, wh whether it's a silly YouTube or uh, watching cat clips or videos, right? Cats playing pianos. <laughs> um, 
or one of your favorite comedy shows, something will help to get your nervous system out of that survival place. Because fear and funny can't live in the brain at the same time. Really cool to know. And so have fun with this. Allow yourself to make mistakes. It's not about perfection, it's about learning. It's about learning and consistency and accountability. So I hope this was helpful. I hope having more time and space around it allows for more integration and allows for it, instead of jumping to the next thing and then we lose what was said before, we can marinate in it a little bit more and get the flavor out of it to really enjoy and appreciate and have it be more accessible. So if this was helpful and you have not subscribed yet, click subscribe, join me on this journey. We're gonna go to super cool places. We're gonna talk about self-compassion. We're gonna do more regulation. We're gonna talk about being human and share stories of resilience and messiness and challenges and everything it means to be a human being to help you find more vitality and connection in your life and to laugh along the way. Thanks so much for joining me. And as always, keep on loving.